Hi. Hey guys, my name is Chanel Perillo, and I'm a casting director and producer based in Los Angeles. I've cast shows like Drag Race, F Boy Island, The Real Housewives franchise, A Million Dollar Listing, to name a few. I want to welcome you to Shut Up Chanel, a podcast where I take you through my LGBTQIA journey, while each week I get to chat with the queer royalty that helps shape me. Buckle up, because I know you're going to want to tell me to shut up. Shut up, Chanel. Shut up, Chanel. <laughs> Am I your intro voice? You are. You are the voice in the intro song. I thought it was me. Legends only. <laughs> um, I sent Sam Garfield like 20. I found this old video from DragCon mm-hmm. where I went around and had 20 drag, like over 20 queens say shut up, Chanel. And I, and I found it in my phone from like 10 years ago. And I, <laughs> I sent him to Sam and I'm like, can you make something of this? And he did. So I guess you were one of the voices. Fully. All right. Well, let me give you your intro. Welcome to the stage. She is my sister. She is an American drag queen, actor, singer, songwriter, reality television personality, author, YouTuber. She is the host of Race Chaser and Hot Goss. And please forgive me if I'm forgetting another show that you are on, on the Mom Network. Welcome to the stage, Willem. Hi. Oh my God, Willem, this is such a long time coming, I think. I know, right? You are a legend. And I owe a lot of, I always say I owe a lot of my career to the one and only Chanel Perillo. And now I get to talk about it with everybody and tell them why. I know, I know. allegiance to you. I feel like yours like every mention of me on the mom network has always been this like vague like who who's that girl like you talk about like me helping you on dry gray like just a uh, lots of things that people must be like who the fuck is this girl so i i've been going through my timeline of my lgbtqia plus journey and so i like to start off each episode with like how did we meet i want to know like your full interpretation of how we met and how we okay. each other's lives the first time we met was probably 2010 and it was detox told me that you were going to be at hamburger mary's and i knew at that point that you were the force behind drag race like casting and i was like oh i gotta go meet this bitch because at that point i knew i wanted to get on the show because shangela had just been on it and i had gone to an audition or i tried to get into an audition and they told me i couldn't be seen because i wasn't a name and shangela got the part and i was like Oh, okay. And Chris Crocker got the part too. And then somebody else. And I was like, oh, I see what kind of name I need to be. So let me do this reality show thing. So I met you and we were at the good booth at Mary's, the one under the light, like the one reserved for like the VIP booth. I think Detox was performing or whatever. And then we went to FUBAR after, like stumbled down, bumble stumped down the block to FUBAR. And then we just became friends. And like, I feel like you were in my life every week after that somehow, because we were at the same clubs you were at, I was the friend with the pool and and the friend with the husband who had a job. I always had snacks. I, I had cute dogs to play with and my house was right by the club. So it was kind of convenient, I feel like. Oh, it was so convenient during that time. Yeah. 
No, it's so funny that because that's the specific night that I remember meeting you. I would I talked about it before, like every Friday. That was my jam. Like I would get ready, I would get ready in Raj's apartment I was living in and I would walk up to Hamburger Mary's for pumped. And then we would always go to Fubar after. And I remember that night you were so f- I had no idea that Detox told you I was the casting girl. I thought you were just like there. No, I knew I knew that you were there and she told me you were going to be there. And then I knew that you I connected the two. It's not that she told me. Okay. Okay. Well, yeah, you're a smart. Your guy. legend preceded you, bitch. <laughs> the thing is, I had just like queens are so fast. Like I had just that was my first season casting. Yeah, well, we knew. We were like, well, let's use this bitch. Let's milk her. <laughs> so, yeah, I remember that night thinking you were so funny. I, like, have this image of you walking in front of us, and you were just, like, yelling things at, like, people walking by or cars or something. And I was just like, this queen is so funny. I thought you were so beautiful. And I thought it was so interesting that, like, you were also, like, an actress. Like, it was a different type of queen because, like, all these queens kind of filled different roles, like, in my head, like, Barbies, if you will. Like I had rock and roll Barbie. I had, you know, <laughs> that was Raja. Raja. I had like new so Raja was supermodel Barbie. Detox was like rock and roll rehab Barbie. Totally. Totally. I feel like I was definitely like starlet Barbie. Totally. And it's like to go off on of what you said, like during that time, like none, no one had money. Like everyone was struggling. Everyone was barely paying their rent or sharing apartments. No one had a car. No one had like everyone like it was really like mopping, you know, like it, it wasn't designer fashion drag time during that time. And you were very different. You had a house that was like down the street from the club and it wasn't just like a house it was like a beautiful like grown-up house like you had a grown-up husband with a grown-up backyard and like your drag closet was at the time like the nicest closet I've I had ever been to like I remember like just like sitting in there and like looking at everything the leopard carpet and the Gucci walls mm-hmm. um, that was a good closet and it was like, and it was, we ended up like that became our crash pad for years. Like when I was talking, when you know, Vicky and Detox were on like a lot of all of those stories in the beginning of our friendship, like all revolved around your house. Yeah, it was a good spot. I feel like I'm, I'm a cancer and cancers tend to create spaces and like havens. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I've always done that. I've always been a little bit of a homebody to the point where I'm like, okay, let's not go to, let's, I'll just throw the afters or I'll, I'll be the spot where we can hang out or pre-party and get ready and here, wear this. And like, let's all look cute, you know? So Mm -hmm. I feel like that house was a conduit for that very much. So. No. And you were always like that. Like you were the queen that would buy something and you would always think of like buying it in triple because like maybe other people would want to like wear it too. (laughs) And like, yeah. (laughs) Um, I think, and then, and so, like, we met, we met at Hamburger Mary's, and then, like, the very next day, you, like, we, like, followed up with each other, I remember. I remember it was, like, you were, like, so what do I need to do to get on Drag Race? And I was, like, you need to make a tape and submit it by this day, and, and I remember you getting it done so fast, like, a week later, and you, like, even came in, and this was, like, back in the day before, like, was this before, it wasn't before YouTube, but, like, it was, like, you were still, you burnt it, it on a CD, didn't you? Yeah, it was, it was burnt on a CD. I dropped it off at WOW. I put it in ah! hands. He met me outside of WOW. And then within five to, more than five minutes, less than 10 minutes, I got a call that said, there's no sound on this DVD. 
So I knew that people were watching it instantly in that building. So I was like, oh, okay, they like me. So I went back to Calpurnia's. She burnt it again with the CD because we had stayed up all night to make that tape, me and Callie, just like Diet Cokes and like killing it. And I remember you told me that you you saw an early cut of the tape and you said I needed steaks. So I made up some story about like my an ex abusing me and like I did drag as an escape or something because my tape was all just like, hi, I'm rich. I've been on TV. Can I be on your show? And like, you were like, no, you need some stakes. You need like a, like a story point. And I was like, okay, I'll lie. <laughs> nobody, <laughs> nobody says it's a rule. You have to tell the truth on TV, which is why I also tried to lie about my age on drag race, but I couldn't, I knew Manila lied. And I was like, oh, well, Manila lied. Hold on. I was just going to out Vanilla and say she full on lied about her age on Drag Race. She fully lied. She was 28. She said she was 22. And when I was in the chair, I was like, I'm Willem. I'm 22. I'm from Beverly Hills. They're like, A, you're from Los Angeles. B, you're 29. And I was like, it's not a rule that you have to tell the truth. And Shannon was like, Willem. You know, remember Shannon? Like, just knew. She was like, Willem, you have to tell the truth. And I was like, that's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> shout out to Shannon. I haven't seen her in forever. I think she's a mom. Shout out to the shenanigans. She was um, my story producer. She was also the story producer on Making the Band. And she dealt with Aubrey O'Day, which I kind of think is like a training ground for dealing with me because we're psychopaths. Um, <laughs> I think she also worked on Top Model. So she was a great and story that, producer. And that Jeff Lewis show. And he's he's a maniac too. So. Mm -hmm. Um, I love that. So you submit the tape. I remember being obsessed with it. I still have the image and I'm sure like you remember, but you were like covered in blue. I think you were a Smurf. I was Smurfette for my Snatch Game audition. Yeah. And when like I built the Smurfette. And it was so good. And like back in those days, it was like there was no blueprint of how to make a Drag Race tape. Um, I remember like people always referring to Manila's because it was so it was so well done. Um, but like during that time, like, yeah, people didn't know exactly. And there was no format for it because like the show was just kind of getting off the ground. So it was kind of like it wasn't all the requirements that it is now, if 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 that makes sense. And well, the requirements that they have now are in place because I think they, they want to make sure that the girls have enough looks and have enough drag. And like if you can't get the tape done, you shouldn't be there because you know, you're not up to that caliber where you are able to produce and do the turnover and like make stuff happen. Like if you can't get your tape done, you have no business. No, it's like the first, it's the first test of the, it's like the first challenge of the show is I think how they like refer to it. Yep, it, totally very much so. it like, it, it definitely makes like the certain people stand out. Yeah. So, you, Matt, so you get cast. I remember I was so excited. Me I was the first one on the board that year on the wall. Oh my God. And so like getting ready for drag race. I hope that like, I really hope that people <laughs> leave this episode, like feeling like they understand you more because I do feel like there is so much mystery behind, behind your drag race experience. If yeah. So you get on Drag Race. I'm so excited. I, I but and the thing is, I I didn't know you. Like I knew you from Hamburger Mary's. I knew you from like Word About Town, but I didn't know you. I wasn't hanging out at your house. We weren't friends. Like it was super. It was super. Like when we were on set, that was the first time that we got to like hang together, and that I was like, yeah, we became like sleepaway camp buddies, basically. Totally. And the experience was like, do you do you think the experience was more than you thought it was going to be? Because I know that like and we could talk about it there, but there everyone has breakdowns on the show. But I know that you had a couple. And so like, 
what can you kind of like take me through like what you were going through during that period? Well, I kept a journal every day. And on the second to last day of production, my journal disappeared. The day that my computer appeared, quote unquote, my journal disappeared. And it was always in the same spot in the same top drawer, that pink thing in that bag. And all of a sudden it was gone. I don't know how it disappeared because I didn't go off set, mm -hmm. but it was gone. But I've recreated the, the journal day by day through like watching drag race and seeing what I wore and remembering what I wore and knowing what day my cousin came to do my hair and set. Mm -hmm. um, but I did have my first breakdown. I remember was episode two because by episode two, we had been there. We got there and we were there for probably two days. And then we went and filmed the first episode, which took three days. Mm -hmm. And then we had a day off after the first episode because we did promo. And so that's like six, seven days were there so far. And we had given them money to get us stuff because they everybody brings, well, most people bring 50 pounds worth of stuff. And they're like, they're not bringing like the giant can of hairspray or like the tights or the, the big tub of moisturizer or gel or whatever they need because they knew we could get it there. Mm -hmm. And we had given money to the handlers to get us stuff and not Casey or you, but somebody else specifically. And they hadn't gotten us our stuff. There were girls who were vegetarian, like Sharon, people that wanted specific foods like me because the food options were bleak and they weren't treating us how anybody is treated on a reality show. And I kind of got really mad and I went to the store on my own with a couple of other girls and I never named names because I wasn't trying to ruin their careers. But I walked onto set the second day of the second episode, which was the wrestling challenge where we were all hurting. I had I had broken my wrist, a hairline fracture during the challenge, and I couldn't do push-ups anymore. And I remember I was so mad that like they were they were treating us poorly. And I was like, I've never been on a set where I had to ask to go to the bathroom or ask if I can have something to eat or ask if I can have a drink. Like crazy you, you were an actor you know like you were used to like just walking up to crafty and it's probably a reason why like sometimes like on reality shows i'm in casting like we worry about actors because it is it's like it yeah. really is and i wasn't going rogue i wasn't like being like oh i'm dipping out i would say hey i'm gonna go use the bathroom and they'd be like no you're not you can't and i'm like huh like this is a human right it's but triggering. you feel like you're back in school, like asking for permission to do everything. Yeah, they, they weren't treating us great. And I walked up to who was our um our producer. And I was like, at the end of the day, I was like, hey, you want some hand sanitizer? And he's like, sure. It's been a kind of long day rubbing our hands. I was like, I just got it at CVS last night. And he's like, what? I was like, I went to the store to get some stuff that I needed because I gave the handlers money and they never got it for us. And there were some other girls that are that are jonesing for their things too. So can we either get our stuff or get our money back? And he's like, what? And he was just so confused by what I was saying. I was like, listen to me. I was like, they're not treating us well. Please change this. You're the showrunner. You have the power to do this. Mm -hmm. And I just remember being very direct with him because it was, I had nothing to lose. I was trying to get kicked off a show. I knew I had to be in New York within three weeks for another gig. And so you were trying to get kicked off Drag Race. Yes. The whole time I was trying to get kicked off for something. But at that point, the next day I walked in and knew something. And I remember she had these great Jordans on. She always had great sneakers. And I was like, ooh, cute, cute kicks. And she was like, no. And I was like, what? And she said, don't talk to me like you're talent. You're not talent. 
you're a contestant. And I was like, I was gagged. I was like, all I did was like, say you had cute shoes and she was treating me like garbage and she just did not like me. And I get why, because she said, don't do all that. You're not in charge here. You're not a producer. And I was like, she just thought I was a fake, fake bitch. And you know what? She might've seen through what I was doing, but like, there's no way she could have. I didn't tell anybody. You didn't know. Nobody knew. But after that day, we had that blow up because there were 12 of us left out of the 14 girls that are all listed right here on my shirt. Oh, you wore them. Okay. Yeah. It's Alyssa, Chad, Dita. We had this point where this woman named said into um, uh, her microphone or her walkie, she said something about like someone not being ready and la something, la something. And I was like, la something. And then I heard it again. And I was like, she's fucking talking about Latrice and LaShawn, which I thought sounded racist as fuck. And it was this girl, white devil bitch named that nobody liked. And she was also the one that picked the glass out of Shangela's back the season before that tried to tell Shangela, no, don't go to the hospital because she didn't want to do the paperwork and fill out a medical report and an injury report and work and open herself up to a workman's comp claim. Mm -hmm. But Angela did go to the hospital because she had all those Christmas ornaments in her back from Venus's jacket when she was shablamming. Anyway, so this racist devil white bitch <laughs> called these girls outside of their names. And when that night they gave us $75 for you to you and Casey to feed us at was like 10 o'clock. Was this the infamous Denny's night? Yep. Okay, keep yep. going. So after after it was after 10 o'clock on set because we were doing the wrestling thing and we, they rehearsed us and they get, they gave us so much practice because it was so unsafe and none of us had it. So we are outside and we're smoking and getting in the van. And I find out that it, they gave us $75 for 12 men to eat. And I went left and Chad found out and the because Chad was out there smoking and I remember saying, let's not, let's not, we need to talk to them. And Chad marched us back in and said, you need to shoot us with respect. And she said, what's her name? And she pointed at one of the girls and was like, oh, I, I don't, I don't. And I went, what's her name? And I remember something came over me and I started barking at her like an animal because I was like, you treating us like animals? You don't even fucking know our names. I was like, we're making the show for you. We're making the money for you you need to respect us and learn our names because at that point they had little badges that were like like this uh-huh. like, like a press pass like a press pass that had our pictures on it mm-hmm. in drag on one side with our name and then the other side was our boy picture with our name so I was like there's no reason for you not to know our names we've been here almost two weeks now at this point you should respect us to know our names. We're making this show for you. And when she did not know Latrice and LaShawn's name or which one was which, I was flabbergasted and floored. And after I started barking, I walked back out to the van and Chad went in even more on those people. And you know what? We had more money that night because we didn't have to go to Del Taco. We got to go to Denny's that night because they knew they treated us like shit and they let us have a sit down meal instead of ordering through bulletproof glass in Culver City. 
where we couldn't even that because was the most awkward dinner I've ever been at. Like, mind I tell you, I have been on set with everyone since six fucking a.m. It is now 10.45, maybe 11. I know that I still have to feed them, then get them back to the hotel in Culver City, then drive all the way back to West Hollywood to then be back on set with you guys at 7 a.m. Like, it was just madness. The moment... I know, I keep going. The, the moment that I knew that it was, it was going to be bad because I blew up, I was kind of devastated because I thought that I should have stayed longer and we had once we were at denny's i did the math and realized that i wasn't freaking out because i was like why did i blow my shot i needed a couple more episodes of this to make my mark mm -hmm. and i did the math and realized that 75 dollars divided by 12 was about 675 a person which isn't even enough for like a soda a meal and whatever at the, the del taco that was open on la cienega because that was all that was open on culver city right then and we got to Denny's and I was so sad. And I was like, I'm just going to leave tonight. I'm going to call Bruce and tell him to come pick me up and get my stuff. And I'll just be that girl that they don't know why she disappeared. And you said, Willem, sleep on it. Get some food in you. Cause I hadn't eaten all day. All I was on was like Adderall and like spinach and egg whites. Mm -hmm. um, you, and you, were were like, eating. you weren't eating a lot then. I wasn't because I knew I needed to weaponize my body and be like that LA girl with the abs and the blonde hair and like be that girl. You made and me I feel, really, I felt very insecure about my femininity standing next to you. <laughs> and I, I know that there was another girl who also felt very insecure because Jiggly told me that this girl felt very insecure because I, I mean, was never. You were tan, your legs were like, uh, I mean, they still are, you're the body. But I mean, like, it was like, and you were so comfortable being naked. Like, you'd just be like walking around naked and I just like, your flat ass stomach. Like, I was jealous. That's for Yeah, sure. I, I literally weaponized it. It was my my tool. Mm -hmm. And you were the one that told me to stay and convinced me not to be rash and to walk out. And if I had left on episode two, my whole career would be very, very different than when I left on episode eight with the disqualification, because all of that was because you made me sit and think and not be like, just like, oh, fuck this, fuck this, you know? Mm -hmm. And it, I credit it all back to you. And that's why for... At least a year after I told you, you will never pay for a drink when you're in my presence. I always, there's always like, there's always a joint around when Chanel Perillo is there for you to smoke with me. I always take care of you. Cause I know like my whole life would be very, very different without the Perillo. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> you're so sweet. And to the listeners, like it is not bribery. Like that was like just Willem being like having this realization that like my kind words kept her there. And I think I kept a lot of you there. I think of that season particularly, like I had never had so many queens be like, and mind I tell you, this was 10 years ago, everyone, like the show. 2011, it was 12 years ago, darling. 12 years ago, like the show has a rhythm, the show has budget, the show has Emmys, like they know what they're doing. But like I've said in previous podcasts, it was the beginning. It was, you know, season four was like the the season you know what i mean and uh um, we're the first season with money for the promo that spaceship oh. and having you there was so nice because you would give us little allowances like you let me and fifi go tanning we went to the mall and like they trusted you enough with the girls that no one would do anything crazy but they never had a willem before so like if if i didn't do all that it still would have been fine but there was another handler that we had 
I don't know if I can say her name, but like she in the van with us, with me, Latrice, there were five of us because they split us up. We were coming back from the motel challenge downtown, the first episode. And she said, you know, I like y'all, but I don't know about this gay marriage thing. And we were like, what? And we realized she was a Republican. And then she showed us her boyfriend and we're like, oh, so you can get dicked down like that. But you don't, you don't like us having like our, like, we're like, your relationship would have been illegal in the sixties and the seventies, Casey. And now you're saying that we shouldn't be allowed to get married. We're like, you're a fucking hypocrite. And we made her cry. And like making- What women- a time. Like what a, like imagine how, like a-, a- she said that to us. A girl on a drag race set told us she didn't think drag that marriage should be legal between gay people. And she was in a position of power over us. We were Latrice and I were gagged. Like no, and like that sentence, like it's like it's giving very like like you know, I'm okay with it, but like it's just not the whole marriage thing. It's like so like Pentecost. Sharon made her cry. She's like, I like y'all performing and everything, but I don't know about like your civil rights. Literally. And Sharon called her a fat dick pig and made her cry. <laughs> she did. I literally have in one of my notes journal because I wanted to make sure we talked about your little journal, which because I remember like I have this vivid image of my head of all of us sitting at this long table that I got them to put together for us at Denny's. Yeah. <laughs> like a huge like last right there in the middle. No one said a word the whole dinner. It was just silence but I mean we got through it like you you know I mean for those listening I was the person holding Willem's hair during the throw up scene and you can see you on doing it I am a nurturer I am a people pleaser I love taking care of people feeling needed is is a toxic way that I feel loved. Um, but <laughs> I've learned. Um, but you recognize it, so it's fine. And that's just, you know. Exactly. Like, I'm self-aware of it. Like, I love to feel needed. And so, like, a job like taking care of, you know, 20 drag queens who, like, are all needy um, was, like, the perfect role for that part of my life. And that kind of, like, trickled into, like, so after the show, so I stayed, obviously, I didn't leave with you. So you left Drag Race. It was weird. Like no one knew what to talk about. No one knew what we were allowed to say. There were so many rumors. Like, what did Willem do? I mean, that was a crazy time. There were tumblers, like reenactments of what people thought you did. I mean, I'm just gonna bottom line it because I do want to like move on from like set stuff so that you know my podcast yeah. doesn't get sued. I've made it like we've made it to episode nine or 10 or 11, whichever one this one becomes. But, but so you leave, I stay. And then after it really was like, we just kind of like became friends as soon as that season was over. Right. Like, I feel like we were like really connected. I would like come over to your house all the time. It was like everything that happened by the episode that I was gone. Like, mm-hmm. you're like, this happened, she went home, she went home, she went home, and then it was top three. Because I think everybody there thought I was going to be top three somehow, or at least top four. But I was in New York, and I remember talking to you and finding out that they sent Latrice home, and I was like, what? I was gagged. And but- then, like, because then I'm wondering, like, how, when did, so, like, we left Dry Grace, and then, like, when did my, like, 
DW, I've been like trying to like pinpoint when DWV role kind of came about and like how it came about. And was it that I was just like hanging out with you three all the time at the house and like knew that you were recording music. So I just started like helping you guys. Like I just so, like, I can give you the timeline. Chowdown came out in April of 2012 because I knew I was getting eliminated. Let me use all this press as like the springboard for this song. And at that point, I think, um, wanted someone on the road with his girls at the time. And even though I was touring on my own without somebody for three girls, it was, well, we have Ch Chanel's our friend. She can help us because, you know, it is a lot for three girls to go on the road when two of them haven't been touring like that much. So you started going on the road with us in, I think, May of 2012. We went to, I think we did a gig in like Texas or North Carolina or something. And we did like one or two solo gigs together. And then when DWV started going heavy, you were the natural choice just because David trusted you. You knew how to get shit done. You you knew how to have a good time, but shit always got done. And you you had this, like, you were the queen whisperer. You could get us in drag on time. And that was the main thing that David wanted to make sure is that people showed up and you made people show up. You were like the, 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 the wrangler. Well, yeah, and it made sense because I had like I, I had just gotten off Drag Race where I was like in charge of getting like twenty plus drag queens ready, and like they had to beat a set to be on camera. So like it, it does, it like does make sense why like my training of being like an on set handler with anyone like translated into like getting them ready for tour. Fully. And like, did I am I the one that told you about David? Because like that's also crazy because at that time like david was managing peg had just started it was like manila mimi i'm first and a couple others and then like you and sharon kind of like made peg like on the map i feel like i was working with another guy who i was i thought i was going to do like cabaret shows and be like coco peru varla mm -hmm. and then david kept getting offers for sharon and she couldn't do them all so he uh, he you were the one that told me that David wanted to talk to me. And then I reached out to him because I, he was easy to find. And I, he sent me the contract and I was like, no, because my ex who was a lawyer read it. And my husband said, the quote was, if you work with this man, you're an idiot. But if you sign a contract with this man, you're an even bigger idiot. And I was like, uh, because the contract had this thing in the merch clause that was like, if you make X amount of money through selling t-shirts and XYZ, you're automatically re-upped for the next year. It was There were so many little clauses that wouldn't be enforceable in a California labor law court mm -hmm. that I told David, how about we just see, you get me some jobs, I'll pay you your commission, I'm good for it. And he was trying to charge 20%. I was like, you're not managing me, you're getting me some club gigs. Managers create opportunities, you're literally picking up the phone and making money by not even going. Mm -hmm. So I told him I'd give him 10%. And then I did. And all the gigs worked out great. And then season five came along or six or something. And mm -hmm. he signed a door. And I was very territorial. I was like, she's a singer too. You can't keep signing all these girls. You like focus oh, on the clients that you have. That. You, I remember you being so mad about signing. Wait, but this, this goes into you. And I remember I said... To David, I was like, if you sign any other girls from season six, 
you need to let me know because I don't want to be represented by someone who has tons of other girls that are just like me. And you're going to put them up for the jobs that you should be putting me up for, you know, cause I wanted to be in TV and do stuff. And he said he wanted to go that way too. So I was like, this is your chance to represent someone who has momentum behind them and who will work hard. So don't be signing up other girls that are just like me and my cat, my type. Mm-hmm. So he signs a door and I find out about it afterwards. And he asked you, how do I tell Willem without her biting my head off? And you told him, just rip the bandaid off and you need to tell him. And he still didn't tell me. And this was during the drag cruise. And I found out and I was like, David, I'm leaving and I'm taking Detox and Vicky with me. You're not representing DWV anymore. And he went left. And I was like, listen, you can still represent me, but I'm not giving you any commissions on any solo gigs for the next year. And he's like, okay. And I said, and for DWV, you'll get 5%. He's like, okay. He was just so desperate to keep DWV because at that point we had boys at bottom and we had opened up the doors. Me, you, Vicky and detox were the first ones in over 30 countries from drag race because of our music. And we were responsible. We made it to the gigs. We always had a good time. People always wanted us back. And then we found out that like afterwards when people would want us again, David would be like, Oh, they're not available. How about Pandora box? And we saw those emails too. And we were just gagged that like, there was no loyalty. Like when someone's not available, you say, oh, we'll book them in six months. And you know, not like here's our other client, use them too. It felt, Mm -hmm. uh, David was just very disingenuous. And I always felt like you should have been our agent instead, but you were busy. I was young. Like, it's so weird. Like timing is, is, is all like, you know, I was so young and, and. You were, you were a child. You were raised by drag queens. We <laughs> built you from the ground up, bitch, from your pedicure to your bun. Well, I there's so much happened. So I'm the, like, the combat boots. I mean, your season was the season I didn't eat all summer. I only ate on set. Like, I ate on set. You and got I, those titties. Ooh. And I saved all my, I saved $7,000 that summer. And then my dad gave me 1000 And I financed the other 2000 And I got my boobies done. Um, all you ate was craft service from the summer of 2011 to drag you, basically. Those mini chip bags. And, like, and I would, like... The other thing is when on set, like they don't, I don't know if like people that work on set know this, but at the end of the day, like all that like food that's left over, like they'll just throw it away. And I was like, me and my friends are broke. Like I will take that to my ex-boyfriend's house. I'll bring it to my friend Ricky's house. Like I was taking all the leftover food home. That was the food thing that made me really mad on set because normally on set, the rule is talent eats first and then crew. And that's how it is just because talent has to get back into wardrobe usually because you can't eat in your costumes. And so talent eats first on any set. It's just the rule. But on our set, the crew ate first and then the talent weren't, weren't even allowed to go to the table and they would make you fill up a takeout container with whatever was left. And then we would portion that out from the takeout container onto plates and paper towels and eat that. I was like, why are we getting the dregs of, of humanity on a plate? And like, you know, Sharon was dipping bread and ranch for most of the time. Literally. And beer. <laughs> we were all drunk on set too. We were all drinking because we would all fill. I filled that vitamin water bottle up with Malibu. I was drunk most episodes, at honestly. The, at that point in my life, I just assumed drag queens were always drunk. <laughs> <laughs> we, were, was- we were, we were drunk a lot. 
I knew like Raja and D-Dogs. Like it was like, oh, like they just drink all the time. That's what they do. Like you want I them mean, to perform, give them alcohol. You know. We were also high though, because remember that one handler? He was our nighttime guy. He was from Pittsburgh. He was a grower and he sold us weed. What was his name? I, no, I don't remember the P. I I remember he said that he went to high school with Christina Aguilera and then she didn't, she stopped going to school, but he was from Pittsburgh and he sold me and Latrice and the other girls weed. Cause we would go smoke out on the roof. Oh my God. That was so fun. We had so much fun there. It was it like an age of innocence because drag race wasn't huge yet. And we didn't know what it would become. And it changed all of our lives so massively. Like I'm so grateful for drag race and for RuPaul and like, my gratitude isn't conditional because I made so many friends and family members from that show. And like, I wouldn't be here without it. You know, like nobody would know who the fuck I was. They'd still be calling me William. Well, I think that's also a miss, uh, like a misconception about you is that like, you're not grateful for the platform. I think that like there, you are strong in your values and that like, you believe in like loyalty, hardcore, like me, you believe in respect. You believe, like, it's all these like things that like you don't, surrender to if it like if that's the right word like you don't no, it is. yeah like you don't surrender to no compromise yeah yeah you don't compromise on that and so I think that like at the end of the day you're very grateful and that like you actually do like world of wonder and wish that like the relationship was better I feel like there like, is yeah I feel like there's this like weird story that's been created of like your intention like because none of it was intentionally to like ruin anything for anyone or talk shit. Like RuPaul, I'm sure was an idol of yours before the show. I mean, she still is. My intention was only to get people treated how they should be treated. And I knew I had nothing to lose because I was going to be leaving in the middle of the production anyway, to go to New York to do Jersey Shoresicle at the Fringe Festival. So I was like, let me speak up for these girls so they can be treated right while before I'm gone. Because the wet t-shirt challenge in episode, I think, six. Oh, my God. That was and I was there eight, eight episodes. It was so fun. But Danny Francesi, who wrote Jersey Shoresicle, the musical I was leaving to do and on the, like, three and a half week mark, he was he was in the audience because he was in Party Monster. He was like a wow celebrity, you know? Mm-hmm. And he was in the front row when I was doing the wet t-shirt contest. And I talked to him for a moment when they lined us up for judging. And he's like you should stay. You're doing good. Cause he knew that I was going to be there. Cause Derek Barry was my understudy in New York. And he did the first two weekends and I was going to do the second two weekends. And Danny was like, stay. I was like, no, I'll be there. Derek is not getting my role. He can't sing it. Like I can, I thought Jersey Shores was my ticket to Broadway. So that's why I was so like, I'm going. And two episodes later, the, the frenemy episode happened and I got kicked off, but if they hadn't kicked me off, what I was going to do is I had two more days. I was going to punch Fifi in the face because I knew they would have to, after physical violence, somebody has to leave. And I was like, I'm a puncher. And I remember telling you, I'm going to hit a girl. And you were like, don't, don't do it. You were like, Willem, don't. I mean, I want everyone to know like how, much I would like oh my god there's that one you made fun of me saying it walking queens off the ledge what it's it's you walk someone on the ledge like what is the correct phrase oh um you you uh walk them off the ledge yeah but I wanted to say like oh like walk them off but wouldn't that them be jumping that that would be killing them yeah you you had it wrong but we knew what you were talking about 
But you like the correct honest, phrase. What's the correct phrase? You uh walk them off the ledge. Yeah, like I feel like even Raj's fucking season. If I had a dollar for every time she told me that she could be on Adam Lambert's fucking world tour instead of being there, being told when she could smoke cigarettes. And so that's why I saw no, 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 no. I saw a lot of Raja in you and I was like, I just gotta keep and you didn't smoke cigarettes. And so cigarettes were always my way to like get a queen to like settle down. And I'd be like, let's go outside. We'll have a but cigarette. But I smoke pot. But yeah, but like back then I couldn't like go out and smoke a joint with you on the side. You I know? would still go out with Chad and Sharon and, and smoke and hold a cigarette. I did that like two or three times. But sorry, the phrase is talk them off the ledge because talk you would talk, talk them down from like where they were going to jump from. But that's is, what I'm good at. I'm good at talking. The, yeah. This is one of the reasons that you have the shut up Chanel nickname because we're like, you just talk and sometimes we're just like, shut up Chanel, shut up. Like, mm-hmm. but like you, you do it with love and like, you know. Exactly. Honestly, it's like how I, I talk. If I over talk to you, it's cause I really like you because I get really like, I I'm really talking to the people I love and like a situation like this, but I could get real silent if I want to. <laughs> I've never seen that. <laughs> I don't know who you're fooling, not this I know, audience. I'm fooling. I'm fooling myself right now. I guess it's lied to myself this morning time. Um, I do it every day in the mirror. Don't worry. You are beautiful. You got this. Um, was that hard on you? I mean, I don't even know if anyone's asked that to you. Like, was it hard getting, But and then I do want to move on, but again, but did, did was it hard for you being disqualified from Drag Race? Was it like the plan that day? Was it like, where did it, did it feel shitty after? Does it feel shitty that like RuPaul gives you shit still? Like what, like, what are your feelings associated with it now? I think of all the good that came from it and I don't have any regrets. It was exactly what I wanted to have. They literally played into my master plan. My goal going in was to fuck shit up and to make my mark. Mm-hmm. And I did. And they played into it. They In the, this book that they just released, they were like, we don't even know what rules he really broke. They know exactly what they broke because I admitted him every time. Like I was trying to steal to get kicked off the set. I stole those big feather fans, stuff from the Interior Illusions Lounge. I was just happy to be there and that they were letting me keep going because every time I broke a rule, I told them and then they kept me on. And then when Fifi started barking and saying, you're making us all look bad and you're getting us all in trouble. I was like, I can air everybody's dirty laundry because you have a phone, you have a phone. And when I started bringing up production and untucked, they were like, that's when we got to zip it. We're cutting you off. You're out. And they like, always- I didn't know any of this. Like, mind I tell you, like, people always just assumed I knew everything. I, like, knew that, you, like, all of this was done behind my back. The only thing I ever did was, like, ask permission to take them places because there were a lot of dark days. And if they were, in my head, if I was there monitoring them and, like, knowing what they were doing, then they were more, like, less likely to get in trouble yeah. than if they were to just have a dark day and run free by themselves. You know what I mean? Yeah. By the time, the last day of production, it was August 31st, 2012. I have a weird date for memories. Everybody went to Mickey's that night and there were bleachers set up in Mickey's because they knew there were so many people coming. And (laughs) was the untucked producer and (laughs) who was another untucked producer were there and we were on the patio. I was smoking pot and (laughs) was like, I knew what you were doing this whole time. I was like, no, you didn't. And we were like partying and he was like, you're really smart. And I was like, no, I'm just like a lucky idiot. Like who like is manipulative. 
he was like, no, oh, you're very good at manipulation. <laughs> I, I know what people want to hear exactly. and I know, and I know what I want. So if those two things can go together and make for a harmonious outcome for me, why not? And I made good TV, but they were very complimentary to me and telling me that they, it's not that they saw what I was doing, but they saw the reality TV character I was creating in Untucked because there was an Untucked where I left the room because it was Jiggly's mom's um, passing's anniversary and they played this message for her, and it was very manipulative how they played it. And I was just like, this girl is wrecked and you're, 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 you're squeezing it and milking it for TV. Her mom died a year ago. And they're like, if you don't like it, you can leave. So I got up and left. And then Jen Stander came in the room that I was the next room. I was in the little office outside in the hall. They're like, we need you back. We only have a half hour to do this before you have to go back for judging. And I was like, if you want me back in that room, Steven needs to come out and apologize to me. And he came out in his little British accent and was like, yes, it's manipulative. This is reality TV. It's the name of the game. Am I guilty of this? Yes, I am. Am I sorry? And he didn't really apologize, but I was like, thank you for coming out and talking talking to me because man to man that's what I needed I just need to know that like y'all know what you're doing and you're hurting this girl intentionally because they were hurting Jiggly intentionally to get the TV that they wanted and making her relive all of this stuff with her brother and her mother and her, her passing and I found it really I didn't think that they needed to do that because Jiggly was already crying and they were making her blubbering mess so at that point at Mickey's after that we had been drinking a lot too the producer and I had gotten to an entanglement in the restroom and we were being escorted out by security and on the way out raven was on stage doing birthday shots and i was like it's my birthday and at that point he picked up a glass and threw it at raven he threw a cup at raven on stage and raven went those two out and we got kicked out of the club while we were already being kicked out by security we were like right by that back bar that faces the stage Wait, you were kicked so we out of out. Mickey's on a Monday night? <laughs> yeah. And Michelle Visage was there and she saw me making out with her and she's like, what are you doing? Because at that point, my ex-husband was Michelle's lawyer. And I was like, bitch, job security, making out with a producer, a baby. I knew what I was doing. So we get outside and- Well, P.S., I am believing every single name you're saying. Go ahead. <laughs> who was <laughs> best friend who was the showrunner was the untucked showrunner was the regular showrunner they were besties and outside i was so drunk and i was like no let us back in it's not even my birthday it's august and i was born in june i'm a cancer and oh. looks me in the eye and says you are a cancer bitch and i was like <laughs> she reads i was like you you should be running a drag show because bitch you just read me to dirt and filth oh and that was that was when like i became better friends with because she saw what I was. She's like, bitch, you are duplicitous and I love you. Like a good time girl, kind of like you. And I was like, I feel like I could trust you, you know? And the producers, one of the producers, the one I had the entanglement with, did take me to lunch at Chibo on Sunset after to like get our story straight. And he said it was try to, to try to help me. But I was like, you're, you're covering your own ass because you were blackout drunk and you don't remember it and you need me to fill you in. And I did fill him in. And I told him the only thing I regretted is I would have made him wear a rubber the next time. Oh my God. <laughs> I know. I'm like, <laughs> this I, is I'm a crazy.
I mean, it, like at least you you're self aware and you're crazy. And I think that's another thing is like you don't try to hide it. You, you one of the things besides the next thing I'm gonna say that you taught me, but like one of the things you taught me is that like it's easy. Your quote is it's easier to say I'm sorry than to ask permission. And since the I think you told me that on set. You've told me that like many times in life because I was I've always been the person that like thinks they need to ask or is always a fearful of getting in trouble. It probably like stems from like childhood shit like it all does but like i feel like i need to ask permission for everything uh, well girls would be asking like from challenge about rules for these challenges i'd be like shut up he's gonna tell us we can't just do it and madonna said poor is the man whose pleasure depends on the permission of another and it always stuck with me because a i love the peas and alliteration but like it don't ask just take what you need and if you have to say sorry later go for it you know like no, you've taught me a lot. Like you've always like inspired me. Like your work ethic is like no one I've ever I've ever met. Like you are always working at building like your brand and your legacy and your future and you work every day. Like and 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 you're always like finding new passion projects and helping the people around you. I mean, mom presents is a total like testament of that that you've brought so many people like along the podcast journey with you, which I hope to be on one day. Maybe one day, but um, after you transition, I always think that the same about you though, because you're this, you're kind of like this entity that a lot of girls like the JCO days and like the kids that grew up on Drag Race, they saw you with all of these drag queens and they were like, I want to be Chanel Perillo. What the fuck is she? Who is she? Is she a woman? Is she a post-op 50 year old Amanda Lepore? Who the hell is she? And like, you're kind of this Carrie Bradshaw type of like fantasy job that these girls, if they could, they would snap their fingers and trade spots with you because you help produce fashion shows for a celebrity designer. You hang out with these drag queens. You're friends with all these people. You have great tits. Uh, you're, you're beautiful. You're tan. You're from San Diego. There's all these things that are like these enigmas about you that people don't know. And that's why I think this podcast is interesting. And then after that, you can finally shut up. Um, <laughs> like I, I'm I hoping eventually it'll be like, yeah. well, I got my story out there now I can shut up. Yeah, I just, I, 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 a lot of people discredit you in our community because you know you're just like, it sounds terrible to say, but you're this girl in in our drag world. But like you do, you do do a lot for us, and like you do have a wealth vast of knowledge, and like there's things that you know that I think are viable to people in the future who who will come after you like how to produce a fashion show what happens on a week out what happens on two days out what happens day of how to arrange things and like what these girls need like always have a straw always have <laughs> like red like all the things that are so important to our community you know and like you're the right hand girl to marco marco and that operation a lot of times i think that that uh I, I hate saying it, but you are a valuable and loved part of our community. <laughs> Don't let that go to your bun, bitch. It's not. Why do people think, why do you and Marco think that if you compliment me that like, I'm going to be a monster? Because we know you. 
you have been before. You tried to detox in front of me. You're a dick pig monster. And sure, we act like you have it together and you're this idol. But don't forget, bitch, we know everything and we have all the pictures. And I'm being very professional now because I only have an hour. But bitch, if we had two hours, you'd be destroyed and crying. Remember, remember, you know I can make a bitch cry. I think... I think I don't know. I I want to see if you could still make me cry. Actually, I know you could because one day you like didn't give me the compliment I wanted in the back of your studio. And I got like I had to like take a minute. (laughs) (laughs) I remember remember being like, don't cry, bitch. Don't cry. She didn't mean it. You're beautiful are the things I have to tell myself. Yeah, There aren't very many women like you in our community that have like a carte blanche that are accepted 110% but like Gina who's my manager who's like been around drag for Gina is the queen Gina you like I feel like JC O'Day might be one of those people in a few years if not already Astara one of my good friends and makeup artists like there's there's girls that are just like they get it they're given a pass because they get it and they're assets to anything you throw at them they're a help they're always a hand they have a handbag with every you need in it and they're willing to hold your shit while you're on stage They'll, they know how to face the bills and count them and then they get the good drag droppings because of it <laughs> oh it's so true i mean if i had a doll i fight a dollar for all the dollars i counted like crying if you had a dollar it would probably have residue on it a eh? After the DWV gigs, like I would go back to the hotel room and I would be like counting the money crying. Like, is this all worth it? <laughs> Remember when I made you cry on that plane to Ireland? What did you make me cry over on the plane to Ireland? Because the cut of the tips was wrong. And I was like, this is wrong. And then I was like, I, 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 I remember. And then we were late getting to the club and I was in the car for like 40 minutes. And I was like, I could have worked out, blah, blah, blah. And I called David and I was like, I'm not going to the club if Chanel doesn't apologize to me first. And if she's at the club, I'm leaving. And I was like, you need to let Chanel know that this will happen. And I'm more valuable to the club than her. So she better fucking apologize apologize because I was mad about something that you did in Australia, which I had a right to be mad about, which we don't need to talk about. But I was so mad that I was the trips to see. You were mad about the trips to see night. No, no, not that I was mad about y'all going to dinner without me. Yes. And and I was going down. I was very put in the middle. Like the scariest part of it all was that there was like Willem who's terrifying on one end. And this was during there was, you know, there was just some like little girl fight going on. And so I had It wasn't a girl fight. They were they were icing me out and not speaking to me. And I was in the middle. And so it would it would get to the point where it was like, do I want Vicky and Detox mad at me? Like terrifying versus like Willem, who I know like really loves me. And you made the the right choice because them being mad at you would have been chaos. Me being mad at you. It was just hurt feelings because I loved you and you loved me. And you knew you knew you were put in a tough position. But I was so mad that I was like Hades in Hercules with the blue flames. I was livid because I had these girls singing words that I mostly wrote and making money and they wouldn't speak to me otherwise because they were mad at me because they thought I was stealing merch money. And Vicky admitted all of this to me and we had a great talk and we're at a, we're at a wonderful spot now. But I was just like, that's what it was. I found out years later that that's what it was. And I was like, I would have never, bitch, I was rich. Why would I have stolen t-shirt money? that I produced, you know, I made the shirts and the boys, the bottom towels and, 
we're in a great spot now, but like we were young and there was, there That's was, what it is. We were young and we were all learning it as we went. Like there was I mean, no curve. Before, we there was no the learning curve. Exactly. Like we really did write the blueprint for like Queens touring, recording music, like going to these clubs, like a DWV kind of like taught all these clubs, like how, like, you know, we, and we were professionals. Like we did a sound check every day before the gig. There was like setup. I had, every, we had to write out a set list. Like it Our was like, wipes. Mm-hmm. And, and we like, told every club we needed a, a pack of blue Neutrogena wipes. And we didn't buy Neutrogena wipes for a good four years after that. I know I forgot about that and I my favorite thing to do was to like be in the room with the three of you watching you like create this show in your head and like I was like this is how like a show's created it's like them sitting deciding what shows like who's gonna like who's gonna like talk to the crowd at this point when should we do a game when should, I don't know it was such a cool learning the cruises the uh, Australia like, and we I what I realized was during after season four I got a DUI and it was my second DUI. Don't judge me, listeners. I got my first one when I was 20 years old, going to K Fed's house <laughs> for an after party. My girlfriend, Brittany Wise, was in town and from San Diego, and she loved Britney Spears. And we had hung out with K Fed that night at Area Nightclub. And we got invited to this after party. And so I'm like, I'm going to drive us. Like, I'm going to impress my girlfriend from San Diego. Full on get pulled over, like, before I even got to the 101 freeway. <laughs> Blasting Britney Spears out the That's what you for trying to go to the valley, bitch. Going to the Tarzana to K-Feds. So that was my first DUI. 20 years old. Horrible mistake. Like, I'm talking about the second. The second DUI. Oh my God. Long story short, I had like a, I had dropped Yara Sophia off at work at Mickey's. My, my, I, I had been driving the whole way there with my phone on the top of my car. And Fucking when, Mustang. when I went with my white Mustang, when I turned on a Santa Monica Boulevard and the phone, the phone fell off into the street. I pull the car over. I go like four cars go over my phone. I like grab the phone half of Santa Monica like in the middle of the street and I was like it was untouched there wasn't a scrape on it I was like are you fucking kidding me Yara like this is the best night of my life so Yara's and I was just supposed to drop her off at work like I was just being like a good friend and because she had just moved to LA and I go into Mickey she's like just come into Mickey's for a little bit and I'm like one Famous last words. I go into Mickey's and I'm telling everyone this story. Like, I just drove with my phone on my car for two miles. And they're like, have a glass of wine. Like, let's celebrate. So I'm like, I could have one glass of wine. Long story short, I leave after like a Mickey-sized one glass of wine, which is like a bottle. (laughs) (laughs) I get pulled over like a block from mickey's and it's because my license plate was in like the front of my window instead of like the front of my car and i get pulled over and in my head i go oh my god this is my second like my life is over they're gonna throw me away like they made me stay overnight in weho jail after like so many like doing so many things that like like they didn't even meet read me my miranda right so enough of that but who did, but who did you long call story, so long story short that morning i get out of weho jail to like walk back to my car like walk of shame and willem was the first person i called because i was like 
like who could help me like like no one like what am I gonna call like detox like you know like who could help me in this situation and Willem was like you just breathe like we are gonna get you out of this my husband's a lawyer like we're gonna figure this out I got your back and I know it was right after season four because I remember when I went to jail Shannon the story producer is the one that picked me up after I got released. Dropped me off and picked me up. So shout out, Shannon, you're an angel. And when I was in jail, they kept trying to braid my hair, the prisoners. <laughs> and I kept going like, no, like my friends will not leave me alone if I come out of here with- I'm out looking like fucking set it off. But I um, did tell them that I worked for RuPaul when I was in jail for st street cred and they loved it of everyone well, in jail. if you remember i was also the only person who was up in the mornings because i was always working out like a fucking that's fiend. what it was it was like that yeah i was released it was like 7 a.m and i was like I, I like who would i call i'm not calling my parents like like that's gonna be another conversation and and then you got the breathalyzer installed on your car and sometimes when you had been out the night before you may have still had a little whiskey on the breath your car wouldn't start so who would you call to start your car well um <laughs> I learned so much about myself during that time like if I drank and I was crazy then like now I have two glasses of wine and I'm on the couch for four days but back then I could have like 20 vodka sodas and I was woo like having the best night ever and if I drank past midnight then I couldn't start my car the next day like to get to work by nine because I was always like up like I was young I was like I bounced back quick but I couldn't start my car <laughs> <laughs> um, right. I also think that was like part of the motivation for me to want to start touring because I was like I can't I'm, I'm embarrassed to drive this fucking car like I'm not dating guys right now like that's how I felt in my brain because it was like I would go on dates and I would feel so uncomfortable like what if they like want to go in my car like I'm gonna have to be and that movie had just come out that like with what was it called 40 year old virgin where like there's that character and she has the breathalyzer in her car and they're like Bro, I had so for that. Jasmine caught it. Oh my god! But the hooker part that was, I read was Seth Rogen for it before he was even god. famous. I love that, that movie. Oh my god, so good. Sorry to make it about me. I am the guest, though. No, you're the fucking guest. And uh, this is bringing me to like what I want to wrap out the episode with. So like, when I went to jail. I was getting like really nervous like and and this was around the time that like Khloe Kardashian and Lindsay Lohan and all of them were going to Linwood and then that's where I had to like surrender to so like how it works second DUI you were like mandatory like 48 hours um like surrender or they say like 72 like four days you have to surrender but they let you out days. after two but they told me like with overcrowding like you'll probably be out that night and I and they're like, especially if you check into Linwood on a Friday. And I had just seen like Lindsay and Chloe. And I I love that I thought I was at their level. I, I I had just seen them like getting released within 24 hours. And I'm like, okay, if I check in on Friday morning, then I'll get out that night. Like, and I remember even telling like detox, like, I'll see you at Fubar later. I'll see you at brunch. Yeah. <laughs> I'll see you and Raja at Fubar. I told Raja, like, I'll see you at Fubar later. And then I remember it was like, I was there three days. The voicemails after I got out, it was like, it was detox being like, oh my God, you're still there. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, yeah, they kept me three fucking days, but thank God that I had talked to Willem before I thank went. Thank God nobody got hurt in the, when you were drunk driving. 
exactly but right before i went i was like will i'm like i'm so nervous like i what like i don't even know what to expect i've only like you know i was really scared and you were like chanel just pretend that you're going to study for a movie role and that was like i've been to jail too like and that's what i was like you know just use it use it Hmm. and that was like it really got me through it the whole time i just kept being like just pretend you're like take like you you're just want to absorb and take everything in and I really did like I had such a like when I when I thought of it that way like I had like I wanted to like get to know the people that were in there and their stories and like hear what brought them there and and by the end of it I was like I should come back to the woman's prison more often for these ladies but I still was building honestly but anyway, you taught me a lot and it was like, it's been a crazy ride the two of us have had, but we're still like, we're still family. And Wait, take a picture with me. Be cute. Wait. Cute. We just took a selfie. Um, I really, did you have That's fun? Social assets for this podcast. That's what we did. We did the official assets for this podcast. Perfect. Because we're what? Professionals. We are so professionals. Prior preparation prevents piss poor production. Piss poor production. (laughs) Is there a chance that there will be a DWV revival? Girl, talk to your friends. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I I hope to have have a DW sit down eventually on this podcast. I think it would be really fun. I I would love nothing more than, than to perform with those very talented ladies. We always said Vicky was the most talented one out of all of us. That is still true. And I hope that it's I'm more importantly than performing with them ever again. I'm glad I'm friends with them again because you know, they're my sisters. It really just goes to show with the listeners. Like if you're ever like going through something with like friends, like your true friends will always like find their way back to you. Like it might seem like the end of the, even with breakups. Like I try to tell people that even with breakups, it's like, it may seem like the end of the world right now, but if like they're meant to be in your life, they're not going anywhere. Yeah. Well, I am going somewhere. I'm starring in Titanic off Broadway and I have to go. So shut up, Chanel. I love you. I love you so much. Bye. Sweet.